Well, hey, it's Advent season. You might notice the decorations. We're, we're getting close here. And, um, and Advent season is, is a time of the year that typically there's a lot of wishing going on. Um, I know we got our kids in here. Kids, if you're in here, stand up and wave at everyone. Yeah. Go ahead. Welcome our kids. It's family worship. So, so our series that we're starting into is called Wish List. And we're going to be talking about um, some of the wishes that we have. And we, we typically, I think, we have some, some big picture uh, wishes that we have for our world. Um, but really what we're going to be talking about is, is how those are fulfilled in Christ and what that means for us um, today. So here, let's just start out and get some audience participation. What are you wishing for this year? You've got you to shout it out. If you're online, by the way, you can comment. We'd love to have you interact. We're, we're thrilled to have you with us today. Um, but, but what are we wishing for? Good health. Okay. Peace. Yeah, peace. That's a big one. What was that? To have water. Okay. Water's good. What's that? Disney, okay, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, I have a feeling that wish might come true soon. <laughs> we got all these wishes, right? And, and I think if, especially, let, let me hear from, um, I, I appreciate all the kids participating. What about you adults? I, I've, heard, I've heard peace. Um, joy, okay. Are we just, re if you want to just read the boards, that works perfectly for me. <laughs> joy, yeah, I mean, how many of you want to be joyful? Yeah, how many of you just want to be like a stick in the mud and, and not enjoy life? I figured we'd get some hands there. I mean, knowing some of you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm totally joking. No, we, we want joy. We want peace. I mean, I, I want to I be joyful. I, I certainly love it when it's peaceful. Any, any other things? Quiet. Quiet. <laughs> we got Quiet's always nice. Not, not very often happening in my life. Our, our reconciliation, yeah, redemption, seeing, you know, broken things made new, that's good. Yeah. What's that? Unity. Unity? That's a good one, yeah. So, so typically, like in, in Advent, we have these weeks of our Advent that we focus on, and a lot of these um, mirror some of the things we've said. So there, there's, there's four themes. We've got hope, we've got peace, we've got joy, and we've got love. And, and so just to give you a little preview of how this series is going to work out, and this week we're going to be talking about hope, next week we're going to talk about peace. The next week, on December 11th, we're going to experience joy we're not going to talk about it. We're going to experience it because that's our children's musical, our children's Christmas musical. So you get to see joy. And then on the 18th, we're going to talk about love. And really what we're talking about in Wish List is, is oftentimes, uh, you know, we have these big wishes for the world around us. And the truth of the matter is that we have the answer to all of those things in Jesus Christ. The Advent season is a season of preparation, preparing our hearts for the coming of our Savior and our King. And so in this season, we focus on, on how the coming Savior brings hope, peace, joy, and love. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And, and we lit um, the candle of hope today. Today we're talking about hope. Say hope again with me. Good, thank you. And, and so that's what we're talking about. By the way, just quick, um, just for you to know, uh, Christmas Eve, anybody know what day that is? December 24th, way to go. You guys really know your calendar. December 24th, 5 o'clock, we've got our Christmas Eve service. And then Christmas Day, the 25th, this year it's the 25th, 
Uh, Christmas Day, 11 o'clock, we have one service um, Christmas, so just keep that in mind. But, but, but we're talking about our wish list. We wish for hope, we wish for peace, we wish for joy, uh, we wish for love, and Jesus is the fulfillment of all these things. Uh, so, so we're preparing our hearts. Today we're going to look at Psalm 130, and Psalm 130 is what we call a Psalm of Ascent. So there are 15 Psalms of Ascent um, in, in the Bible, and those are Psalms 120 through 134. So in the second half, if you like open your Bible towards the middle of it, you'll find the book of Psalms, and then in the second half of it, you'll find these Psalms of Ascent. There's 15 of them, and, and there's some different beliefs about you know, what the meaning is, but most people agree, most scholars agree, that the Psalms of Ascent are really about the anticipation and the, you know, the preparation for the coming of the Savior and the kingdom of God. And so they're, they're psalms for God's people to prepare themselves to be shaped into what they need to be for the coming kingdom. So we're going to look at Psalm 130 today, and, and I, I just want to, let's, let's understand this. The writer of Psalm 130, the psalmist, is writing, they, they knew the prophecies, they knew the, the, um, the old scriptures, and they had this, uh, this, they were waiting for something. They were waiting for the Messiah, for the Savior. They were waiting for the kingdom of God come. And so this psalm, Psalm 130, is written kind of in anticipation, looking forward to what's going to happen. Now, here we find ourselves, and we look back at the coming of our Savior, but at the same time, we live in this in-between place where our Savior came to earth, died, was resurrected, ascended, and now we wait for him to come again. And so in the same way that the psalmist is waiting and looking forward and wanting to be shaped, my prayer today is that we will be shaped as the people of God as we wait for our coming King, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus as we wait for his second coming. So stand with me. We're going to read one, Psalm 130. I'll read Psalm 130. You can follow along. It's a, a, a song of a sense. So we'll start in verse 1. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. That's kind of a weird place to start um, Advent season. But out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there's forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love... And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. You can have a seat. So, so this is a little bit of a strange Advent text, especially um, being that it starts in this place of, it says, out of the depths. And that's a little bit strange, but, but here's the thing. I love this psalm because it's a very personal, it's a very personal psalm. A lot of times when we think of, uh, when, when we wish for hope, when we wish for peace, when we wish for joy, when we wish for love, 
I think a lot of times in the church, we are kind of thinking of outside in the world around us, and we wish that we would see more hope, more peace, more joy, more love. What I love about this psalm, and really what I want us to get today, is this psalmist is not talking about the brokenness and the pain of the outside world. The psalmist is talking about the personal depths, the personal, uh, out of the depths I cry to you, the personal desire for hope, for peace, for joy, for love. And, and then in the, towards the end of the psalm, it turns not just from the personal, but to the corporate, to what does this mean for the body of Christ, for the people of God. And so that's what I want you to hear today. Is this isn't just about, hey, we as the church are sitting in our nice sanctuary with our nice lights, and we're, we're wishing for these things for the world around us. Today, I want you to know that as we prepare our hearts for the coming king, we, we have the hope of Christ. Jesus came not to fix every, I mean, yes, to fix everybody else, everything else. Jesus came so that we, I, you, could have hope. And so the psalmist starts by saying, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. And, and the psalmist cries not from, from the brokenness and darkness of the world around, but from the depths of personal sinfulness and brokenness. So, so let's remember the shaping part of this. So I'm going to use a little a helper here. Charlie, come up here for me. This is my son, Charlie. Charlie and I, uh, I, I need to get in better shape. So lately, Charlie and I, um, sometimes Sam will come with us. Uh, we'll come up to the gym, and we'll just shoot baskets, or we'll throw the football here at the church. And so I want to illustrate. This is Charlie. Say hi, Charlie. Hello. Say hi to Charlie. Hi. All right, I want to illustrate to you why the psalmist starts with this phrase of out of the depths. I cry to you, because this is a weird phrase. It's a, it's a strange place to start, but out of the depths. So, so here's how I want to illustrate this to you. I love basketball. You guys know I love basketball, right? I played basketball. So we come up here and play basketball sometimes, and sometimes we play each other. Um, who would win if we played one-on-one? -on -one? He said him. <laughs> okay. Occasionally... Charlie, if I shoot left-handed and we play horse or around the world, Charlie will win. I also, on the last shot, I always do a no-look shot just to, you know, just to make it interesting. But if we played one-on-one, -on -one, you really think you'd beat me? No. No, no, absolutely not. So I'm going to put Charlie right here. Charlie, you hang out right here. And by the way, Charlie is a good basketball player. Like, he, he's not a bad basketball player. Like, when he's out there with kids his age, he's running around. He's always on the ball. But if he and I played and we played a game to 10, what do you think the score would be? It would be 10 to 0, if I, no offense. It would be 10 to 0 if I wanted it to be, all right? So, so there, here's Charlie, okay? Stay right here. And, and then, like, maybe right here is where my skill level of basketball is. Like, that's uh, third grade skill level. I'm, like, at a sixth grade skill level. Is that, no, but, but there's me. Sometimes we'll play open gym at the church or uh, not really anymore, but years ago we would play in basketball leagues. And every once in a while, you know, I, I'd kind of get in the zone, I'd hit a few shots. I mean, I played in high school, loved basketball, and every once in a while I could be tricked into thinking that I'm a pretty good player. If I'm playing against Charlie, I'm feeling pretty good about my game. But every once in a while, you run into someone that's just a lot better than you. And I remember we played in a Mason uh, Rec League, and we had a team, and one day uh, one of UC, the University of Cincinnati, one of their best receivers showed up to play with us, 
And all of a sudden, I was reminded how bad at basketball I really am. The dude had like 35 points in a game that was like 40 minutes long. I mean, he just was like amazing. So he was a UC football player. Didn't even play basketball, but just on a different level than me, okay? So then, like, he, he's probably, like, right here, all right? And then we've got, like, actual, really good Division I basketball players. Uh, you got anybody watch basketball? Basketball started up. They're pretty good. Like, if you've ever seen, like, a legit Division I basketball player show up and play, I mean, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking pretty far over there. And how many of those Division I basketball players make it to the pros? Very few. And so you even take a step over here and you've got like the professional level and you're starting to see this giant gap, right? Be between really, really the best and me and Charlie and I. And so there's, there's pro basketball players, but then out of the pros, there's the best of the best. There's like the five or ten best. What would happen, uh, what do you think the score would be? So I ask you, Charlie, you can go sit down. Thank you very much. Um, what do you, I ask you what the score would be if Charlie and I played. What do you think the score would be if LeBron James and I played? I, I mean, I think I could get a point. If I scooted far enough back and made a lucky shot. No, he'd beat me 10 to zero. There's this gap. The psalmist starts this psalm with out of the depths I cry to you because the psalmist is aware that there's this giant gap between the holiness of God and the unholiness and unrighteousness of themselves. There's a huge gap. I mean, the gap between Charlie and LeBron James, who's not even the greatest of all time, by the way. Sorry, that, that's my personal beliefs. But, but <laughs> the gap between Charlie and LeBron James is nothing compared to the gap of the holy God and you and I. There is this major gap. And so the psalmist starts by saying, out of the depths, I cry to you, God. Out of the depths, think of that gap. Think of us and just God's holiness and righteousness. And the psalmist is just like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Uh, they go on and, and say, if, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins... Who could stand? Who could stand? Listen, the truth is that all of us, every single person in this room, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and I don't know about you, but like if I had to uh, stand before God and have a list of everything that I've done wrong in my life, can you imagine how painful that would be? Can you imagine standing before God and the list of all of my sins and all of my shortcomings being read? I mean, first of all, there's just not enough time. There's too many of them. But, but it says, out of the depths I cry to you because if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, we couldn't stand. I think of like a trial when there, uh, I, recently there was a trial that I kind of watched a little bit of online. I don't usually do that, but... Uh, some of the clips were on there, and, and there were, I think there were uh, 47 counts against this guy, and it was like a 40-minute process to read every single count and to say guilty every time. And I'm just thinking, if I were standing before the Almighty Holy God and he was reading the list of all of my shortcomings, I, I probably just I couldn't even stand. I mean, I'd probably just want to go hide. Don't you feel the same way? 
Here's the deal. If we compare ourselves to, sometimes we in the church compare ourselves to the world around us and we feel pretty good about ourselves. The same way maybe I do, like in open gym or something. Compared to the holy God, we couldn't stand. There is a major Gap. Have any of you, there's this, uh, a new thing they're selling right now. There are these little stickers, and you can put them on the frame of your door, and it's a little picture of Jesus, and it says, I saw that. Can you imagine? I love those things. I need to get one. Can you imagine all of your sins and shortcomings read before a holy God? Even the things that nobody else knows, your thoughts, your attitudes, we couldn't stand. There's too big of a gap. And so I realized, like, hey, this is Christmas season. It's kind of a tough place to start, but I got good news for you. And, and the psalmist has good news for you. The psalmist says, but with you, Lord, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I've got good news for you today. The gap between you and the holy God is way too far. And, and left without the coming Savior, Jesus Christ, without Jesus coming to earth, dying on a cross for your sins, being raised from the dead, we'd be done for. We couldn't stand, but the psalmist says, but with you, Lord, there's forgiveness. Anyone just want to say amen? Listen, we, are, uh, we, we can talk about the world around us all we want, but the truth of the matter is all of us have fallen way short. And the Savior didn't come to fix all those messed up people. Well, he came for all those people. But the psalmist understands that the Savior came for me, for you. And so with you, there's forgiveness. From the depths I cry to you, I'm so far, I don't deserve it, there's no way, but with you, Lord, there's hope, there's forgiveness. I want us to get this picture, um, the word forgiveness used there, it, it's not, sometimes when we forgive, we forgive like this. We, we say, hey, I forgive you for those things you did, but I'm going to remember it, and next time... I'm not going to be so nice. Have any of you ever said that or felt that or experienced that? I don't even think we, we really understand how great the forgiveness of God is. The, the word forgiveness there is, is sometimes translated cut off, like gotten rid of. So imagine that list is being read, and it's so long, and imagine that, that God just set it on fire and burned it, and it was gone. The forgiveness that we have in Christ is not a... I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I saw that. The forgiveness we have in Christ is a, hey, your, your sins, your shortcomings, that gap, it's covered. We have a bridge through Jesus Christ. We have hope in Christ for you, but with you there is forgiveness. God's forgiveness is not a reluctant forgiveness. He paid a great price for us to be forgiven it's God's loving nature to forgive. I want you to get this today. The, the coming of Jesus Christ is a beautiful thing. And it symbolizes just how much our God loves us. That he would give his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. What we deserve should not perish. But should have everlasting life. There's this huge gap. But we have a savior and a God that loves us.
and there's hope, and there's forgiveness in Christ. And so, so this is a time of preparation, and there's this gap, but there's the bridge, and there's hope. And then the psalmist, there's one more part that, that talks about the, the in-between. See, the psalmist is looking forward. The psalmist says, I know with you there's forgiveness, and one day the Savior will come and the kingdom will come. And for us, we look back and we say, we know that Jesus the Savior came. We know that he died on a cross. We know that he was raised from the dead. We know that we have forgiveness in him, but we're still in this waiting time, waiting for the coming king. See, the truth is there's still a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness in the world around us. And can, can we just be real honest? There's some brokenness in us too. I mean, it, we, we believe in holiness. We believe that with the, the work of the Spirit in your life that we can live a holy life. But if we're being honest, sometimes there's pain and brokenness in me that needs to be forgiven Sometimes in the church, we, we love to look at the world around us and say, man, it's so broken, it's so messed up, but let's be honest. It, it, Jesus came not just for the messed up, broken world. Jesus came for me, for you, for our brokenness, for our shortcomings, for our sins. And so the psalmist turns and talks about how do we live in this preparation, in this in-between. This psalm of ascent is preparing our hearts for the coming of the king. So yes, we have forgiveness. We have the bridge. What does that mean for us as we wait for the kingdom of God to come? The psalmist in verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I want you to hear this. Waiting for the Lord is not just a spiritual exercise that we do. We must wait for the Lord with everything we have. See, the psalmist is aware that there was this huge gap that, that we had no chance, but with you, God, there's forgiveness and so when you experience that level of love and forgiveness and grace, waiting for the kingdom is not a passive. It's not sitting back. It's not just something we do spiritually. Sometimes I think we compartmentalize our faith and we think of Advent and we think like we've got the Advent season here at church, but then we've got the Christmas season at home. And sometimes we wait for the Lord here in church, but we forget that we should wait with everything we have, with our body, with our mind, with our time, with our money, with our energy. We wait for your kingdom. There's no bigger thing that's going to happen in your life than a Savior that came, died, raised from the dead, was ascended, and will come again. There's no more important job that the church has than, than to not just sit around, but to actively wait with hope in Christ. And so waiting is something we do with all our heart. Have you ever waited for something? Anyone waited for something? Raise your hand if you've ever waited for something. Any of you ever just like waited for, like I'm talking about like you waited for it. I'm not talking about you waited for your food for an hour at McDonald's drive through I'm talking about you like waited for something. So we, we go to some UC football games 
And uh, last year was a really cool year for UC football. See, UC football, um, University of Cincinnati, um, they, they, they were so bad in the past that when you bought the basketball, the basketball team was good. When you bought basketball tickets, they would make you buy football tickets to get your basketball tickets. That's how bad UC was in the past. And all of a sudden, they, they got better, and, and the trajectory rose, and last year we had this season, and, and we, we got to go to a lot of the games, and, and we, they, we had this season where they went undefeated through the regular season, and they made the national semifinal game. That's a pretty good feeling to make the national semi. That's usually reserved for the big boys, right? The, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Georgias, the Clemsons, like that. But UC last year made it to the semifinal game. Can you imagine being a school that at one point had to pawn off football tickets to people that wanted to come to the basketball games to being in the national semifinal? And, that, and once they knew they were in, there was this waiting. Uh, we went to a lot of the games and, and we decided, uh, Charlie and I decided that we were gonna go to the national semifinal game. So we, got our, we put in for the tickets and we found out we got the tickets, and it was like from that moment on, it was like, hey, how many days is it? Hey, when's the game? Charlie would ask me like every day, hey, how many days do we have left? When are we going to Dallas? When's the game? And we couldn't, I mean, with, I mean just with all this energy, we were waiting. The psalmist says, there's no more, listen, UC football is, it's small stuff compared to the coming of our Savior. It's small stuff compared to the coming of God's kingdom. When all this messed up stuff is going to be gone, we wait, we hope, we know it's coming, but we're in this in-between place. And, and so in the, in the waiting, we have a job. So there's the gap, there's the bridge, and now the question is, how do we live in the in-between and here's the answer. Our waiting is not passive. Our, we wait with an active, we sang it earlier, living hope. We, the people of God, are not called to sit around and wait for the one day when things are good. We are called to live the hope of Christ. You heard it earlier. He says, I wait on you, Lord. I wait with my whole being, and in your word, I put my hope. Do you know what the psalmist is saying there? that while I wait, I live for you every single day. Earlier in the text it says, with you there is forgiveness so that we can serve you. See, God's plan was to bridge the gap for us, to bring us salvation, and then to unleash us as a people of hope and forgiveness and love and peace and joy for the world around us. I say this a lot, God's chosen plan to reach the world is us. You know, the people that were way over here on the scale, the gap was so big. The gap was bridged by Jesus Christ. And now we wait with everything we have and we live and we serve in hope. What do you think would have happened if, if UC would have been so excited that they made the semifinal game that they just sat around for the next 30 days waiting for the game? They probably would have lost by like three more points than they did because they only had three points. <laughs> it was a rough game. But, but they, there was this, it wasn't like, hey, we finally made it, now we're just going to sit around. There was training 
There was practice. There was preparation. We are called to live out God's hope, not to sit around passively. If we truly want, and we talk about heaven a lot as Christians, if we truly want heaven to come, we need to understand that Jesus has come and his spirit has filled us. And if we want heaven, guess what? We can live today to bring heaven to earth. Yes, the king is coming one day, but today the king lives inside of us through his spirit. And God's plan is that we would be a people of hope that are living and serving and redeeming and changing the world around us. So I want to make this really personal today. And and I, I want to ask you a question. What does it look like to put your hope in Christ? And and I don't want I mean I'm not looking for like you to think about like church answer. I want you to really think about this because the truth of the matter is God calls you to be a person that's living in the hope of Christ today. And what you're going through. Some of you are going through some tough stuff. There's relational issues, there's health issues. There's, there's job issues, there's disappointments in life, there's all of these different things. What does it look like for you, for me, to live in the hope of Christ? Verse 7 says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from their sins. Our God is a God of redemption and a God of hope, and we, God's people, are meant to be a people of hope. So what does that look like for you to put your hope, to live the hope of Christ? You know, sometimes I'm tempted when things aren't going so well um, to think that I've got to solve things. Sometimes I'm tempted to focus on the things. I'll be honest with you, a couple weeks ago I just got to the place that I was like, man, you know, I'm just tired of stuff. Have any of you ever gotten there where you're just weary and you're tired of all the junk? And you know what? I had to preach a, a sermon. And in the sermon, I was convicted by God to say, hey, your hope isn't in everything working out perfectly. Your hope isn't in everything working the way you want. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. And you are meant to not be a person of despair. You're meant to be a person of hope and joy and peace and love So I want to ask you, what is it that's happening in your life? What does it mean? Andy Stanley always uses this, uh, he has this quote, and I love it. He says, what does love require of me in this or today or now? I want to ask you the question, what does being a person of the hope of Christ require of you today? What does it mean for the relationships, for the job situations? What does it mean? The worship team's going to come up. And we're going to sing a song that's full of hope. And here's the good news. We have the hope of Christ. We know how this ends. The kingdom's coming. In this song, we're going to say, kingdom, 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 come down. Like, we want your kingdom here. That starts as we, the people of God, live in the hope of Christ. So I want you to be thinking about this, and there's, there's two ways you can respond to this. You see these boards up here. What we're going to do is we're going to fill these boards with actual messages of hope, things that God is calling us to. And so here's what I want you to do. There's a, there's a connect card in the chair in front of you. If you want to use that while we're singing the song or after, you can write. What, it, what does living as a person of hope require of you? Maybe it requires that you be a person of forgiveness, unfailing love, 
redemption. What is it, what does it look like for you to live in the hope of Christ. I want you to write that on that piece of paper. If, if you don't want to do that today, we're going to send you an email in the next couple days and you can respond online. And what we're going to do is we're going to start building out what God's calling us to. Today, this isn't about the hope of Christ. Yes, it's for the world around us, but it's not just for the broken world. It's for us. We need to put our hope in Christ. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. I thank you for the, the hope and the joy that we have today, knowing that you are coming again, knowing that, that the victory is won, knowing that, that, Lord, your kingdom will reign forever and it reigns in us now, Lord. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to live as a people of hope. I pray right now that you would bring the things to mind, the things that are going on in our life, and I pray that you would challenge each and every one of us to live out your hope today, tomorrow, this week. Help us to respond to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you in this season of preparation for the coming Savior. And we pray, Lord, that we would be filled with your hope and live it out in Jesus' name.